Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. Our guest today is Lupina Iturriaga, founder and co-CEO of Fintonic, the leading personal finance management platform in Spain, solving the main financial needs for over a million users in Europe and Latin America. Prior to launching Fintonic, she worked in New York and Madrid in multiple banking roles. After banking, she left to join Ideon Consulting as a partner focusing on serving financial institutions. Lupina is an all-star in her field and has been recognized with multiple outstanding awards, including being named as one of the 15 leading women in FinTech Europe by the Financial Times and one of the 100 most creative people in business by Forbes. And now let's listen to a fascinating conversation with Lupina Iturriaga. Well, Lupina, thank you for joining us on the Wharton FinTech Podcast. We're excited to have you here. Can we start by hearing a little bit about your personal background? Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Well, all my whole career has been always been linked to the world of finance and banking. I graduated in business administration and management from CUNED, where I obtained a scholarship for academic merits and well, my first years of career, I, my life to the world of banking, first in New York and then in Madrid. Later, I joined Ideon. It's one of the leading companies in the financial consulting Spain area. I was partner there. I still did. And then I work on various projects until together with my partner, Sergio, I found Fintonic in, for the users in 2012. So that's my background. <laughs> Fantastic. Was entrepreneurship always something that you had in your sights? I think so, because once I left the banking sector, Vanesto, the last bank I was, I decided to start my own advisory firm consulting in the consulting area. I don't and well, that was my first way of entrepreneurship. No? Also, we launched within this company, within Ideon, different fintech companies, B2C and B2B. Always they have to do with finance, but also with technology. Some are located in the United States, in New York, others are in London, the main are in Spain. Um, yes, I, I loved not being part of a big institution, so political, so hierarchical, but being part of creating new things and being more aligned with the user experience with the user needs. So tell us a little bit about Fintonic. I understand today is one of the most widely used fintech companies in Spain and also and you've had international expansion. But, but tell us a little bit about how did you get started? How about those initial days and maybe some of the challenges that you faced in the early days? Okay, well, Fintonic is the leading finance app here in Spain. We are in Mexico, also in Chile. When we launched, we wanted to help our families, friends, and ourselves, no? To have everything organized and under control. Because when you get or you download Fintonic app, uh, you can see everything organized, no? And you have your history of 12 months. And from the very beginning, we start helping the people, telling them if they have unpleasant surprises, we give them alerts. For example, if they have a problem, uh, if they have an overdraft of the Bin Charter Commission last year, we saved our users 40 million uh, euros in commissions. 
if they have a duplicate movement or they're paying more than their neighbor in, for example, in their insurance, in their energy, in their telco bills, because from the very beginning, we help them also to save, not just only organize, but to save. We do everything for them. When we create Fintoni, it was the year 2012, and it was a huge crisis. And we help the people now and nowadays to really organize, to really make better informed decisions, to be really safe. And also, we help them to understand how good or bad they are for, for the banks. In the United States, have FICO. In Spain, we don't have any war, any positive war. We have a negative. We know if the people is bad, but we are the only ones who are giving this service to the people, to the users, so they understand with API, with interest rate, they do deserve if they're going to apply for a, a loan. And also, we have created a marketplace that we have within 17 entities that the big banks, but also financial entities, BBVA, Santander, Bank Inter, all of them are there. So this way, we do everything for the user. They get a loan in less than two minutes through Fintonic with no paperwork at all. We do the know your customer and everything for the banks, but the user have a great experience. They will only get the loan that is best for them. Bear in mind that in Spain, you cannot get a loan if you are not a bank client, the client of that bank, because they don't have your credit info, their credit score. So what we have done is create their own credit score and also make them available offers from other banks or financial entities that will give them what is best for them. So we are really, really aligned always with the use, getting the best loan, a consumer loan up to 70,000 euros. We have all our also own finance line, but we always give the users what is best for them. We don't push to get our own product. That's our spirit. We do that with loans and we help thousands of people, no? But also we do it with insurance. We have a brokerage license. We are insurance brokers. So we get the insurance with the best coverage to the users and the best price for them. But also if the insurance is not willing to pay them when they have out in the car crash or whatever, we will talk on their behalf. So for the user, it's very, very easy because we do everything for them. And now we are launching also our account. Right now, there are thousands of users using it. That I cannot tell you anymore, but it's gonna be really disruptive because it's gonna include many functionalities leveraged on our own capabilities of credit score that Neobank has already. That's impressive. Can you tell us a little bit more on how do you make these, this decision on the credit worthiness of your customers that eventually results into a loan? Well, from the very beginning, when you download the app, you have 12 months uh, history no? uh, within Fintonic. So from the very beginning, you will receive alerts, you will receive uh, info so you can save our recommendations, and also you will receive your credit score. We call it FinScore, but it's your credit risk profile based on leverage on this. It's our everything done in house. So it's with our own technology, with our own 
algorithms, uh, we have multiple variables to predict what's going to happen with the user. Is he also if he's willing to pay or not? Not only if he's paid the score, but also if he has or he's willing to pay afterwards. No, and our expected loss is all much lower than what you have in the market because of this. And we have created this credit score because each bank or each financial institution it has an appetite for a type of risk, but not for everything. And we were willing to give the loans to all our users, and they are all very, very different. No, some of them deserve a low, really low APIs, but others not. Others are they do deserve like 15, 16, 20 percent. No, but others five percent. So we create this credit score because we wanted to have a marketplace, a real marketplace like Amazon, that you can get a loan straight through Fintonic and not going to the web from other banks just to help the people. And also bear in mind what I said, that in Spain you cannot get a loan from a bank that is not your own bank because you need to have all this info. That's why we created this score and, and we created it in home, yes. That makes sense. And so tell us a little bit about building the product. You mentioned you started in 2012. Uh, how long did it take you to find that coveted product market fit, right? And how has your evolution been over the last eight years? Well, it was a huge crisis, as you know. It was a very, very long one. And the people on that moment needed help. Everyone remembers what happened in 2009. And we were there in the middle of the crisis. So we started out as a tool that brought together all your bank and card information in one place, so you would not miss anything. And we alerted of an unexpected movement, such as commissions, offer tips to save and improve their finance. But we began from the very beginning, uh, we began to evolve and create new services that we knew could help any citizen, whether they were financially illiterate or not. It took us not much to create all these PFM functionalities, and it didn't take much also to create the credit score, the FIN score, we call it, that profile, as I said, to, we provide to our users so they know the conditions they deserve for applying for a loan. But it took a little bit more to launch the loan platform. It was based on this FIN score. But it took more because you needed, of course, you know, you need to have the users so the different banks or entities would or were willing to join us. Once we had the users, the active users, banks on that moment decide to join us. Also, we need to prove them that we were able to give loans. We had our own vehicle and we proved them how our expected losses were, how the people was paying, everything. And on that moment, when they saw our history from our own vehicle, how we have lent, because at the very beginning, we were the only ones lending in the platform. When they saw the history, and of course, after huge audits, they let us, they decide to be in, in the platform and rely on us to do their own, know your customer and everything from them. So for the bank is quite easy because we do everything on their behalf. They don't have to do anything at all. And, and in this regard, 
Also, and that was from last year, more or less, we have made available to our users a service to review energy, telecommunications, and insurance bills, with which, on their behalf, we take care of all the necessary steps to assess whether they have contracted what they really need, and we renegotiate the conditions for other always better for them, for more advantages for, for them, with no paperwork, with anything at all. So, bear in mind, from just in energy, seven out of 10 are saving 250 euros. But in insurance, they are like saving much more if you take in account that you have life insurance, a car, everything. They can save on average 850 euros on these items. So it's a lot. So we help in all the spectrum. What I mean is not just if they need a loan, that we always get what is best for them, the best API, but also we really help them to save money, no? And we have continued to move forward, um, as I told you before, because this is now, <laughs> and we are right now in, in beta. We have launched a new functionality, which is a huge change for us, no? This is our new account and card service, which I really, have no doubt that will be a revolution in banking markets and we know where over the users because we are always been really really aligned with the users with the users need with my needs my family needs my friend needs my all my users need and this is why we are working not to help all the people and of course taking in account that we are going to be in break even right now, like in following months, we, and, and this is not maybe from the fintech perspective, it, this is very revolutionary also because we are thinking a lot about economics also. We do not charge the user, uh, that's very important. We do charge all the institutions that we partnership, so they are in there. Fascinating. And so I can only imagine that you have a relationship with the regulator, the financial regulator in Spain. How has the regulator received Fintonic's offering? Well, very good. Uh, we are the first fintech that is under the Bank of Spain supervision because we have the first license of aggregating and also payment initiation. So also we are under the insurance regulator because we are also an insurance broker. And we have a, a great relation because they really are thinking in the general interest of the users, of the people. Um, we are not, we are competing a, a little bit, of course, with banks, but also we are uh, partners. We, they, we do collaborate with them also because they are within our marketplace. It's a marketplace of insurance, but a marketplace of loans also and now with energy and bills. And I think we have a great relation. I, at the very beginning, <laughs> when we start and we launched Fintonic, we went really under the radar all the time. We didn't make much noise. And suddenly we talked about the users we had and the active they've been. And wow, the banks then become really interested in, in seeing what we have done and, and they understood the value proposition for the users. That makes sense. Lupina, we, we like to talk on this podcast about company culture, right? Um, I understand not, not being an entrepreneur myself, but hearing from a lot of entrepreneurs on this podcast that that is one of the most fundamental pieces 
of a successful company, have, right, having the right talent. How did you set out to build this culture? Did you have a, a specific framework in mind and how has it maintained, have you kept up over time? We're really, really fortunate to have a wonderful group of young, highly trained professionals no? who really do believe in the project and are very committed. And I think I have the same passion right now than I had like in 2012. And I clearly transmit this to all the team. We are three Corsios, <laughs> and Sergio Chalboy, Torchin Chetro, and myself, Vinet Vega. And although we are, the three of us, very different, we are really complementary. And I really believe this has helped to have this great team because as I transmit the vision, the passion of the, of the project that we are doing something that is very different from what you can see that is really unique. My other courses transmit other things right, to, to the company and we have clear, create a great atmosphere of people that is highly committed and they do work really a lot because they really believe we can change things. Once I told them when we were in a meeting, hi guys, if you don't believe in the project, if you don't believe that we are going to change the world, just leave because we need to be really, really committed. Two left <laughs> on the following days. But the most of the people after so many years and they really still believing that we are doing things really unique and we are pioneers in things that no one has done yet, no, worldwide. So I think this is also awesome for them to be in a project that is also different. And I imagine this uh, becomes even more important as you expand internationally. Uh, tell us a little bit about your passion to Latin America. We started with Chile. Chile, as you know, it has not many, it has a small population, but we decided to figure out if we could go to other countries and well, we tried to do an experiment there. And we've seen that only in less than two or three months we can be in, with all from uh, working perfectly. Of course, we have to fine tune a little bit of some alerts, they don't, something to the culture in each country, but it worked really good, this experiment, and that's why we decided to go to Mexico, that is much bigger. Each country is completely different. Many people ask us, okay, this is because you talk in Spanish and you have the same culture. No, no, we don't have nothing to do among us. And also, as you know, because you talk Spanish also, it's different also, you have to translate the app to Mexican too. You have to translate to Chilean and it's different from Spanish, from Spain, Europe. But we know that here the, the users in Spain had a problem and we help them. We know we can help much more in Mexico because they are charging them much more because they have much more potential also with the product that we offer. So I think uh, and we really have their create a team of Mexican people, of course, and also with the Spanish people that we send there and they've been living there some years. And we go, we fly a lot there well, right now, no, of course, because of the COVID, but uh, we are always in contact. So many things we develop from Spain 
are launched in Mexico and Chile at the same time, and uh, it's working really, really good. And do you expect to launch in more countries other than Chile and, and Mexico? We do, but not in the near future. We really believe that we need to create something very big in Mexico and Chile, and then afterwards we will open them. This is not like when you are talking and you must know about, this is not like a taxi app or something like that, a, a Uber or Cabify or whatever. This is a, that you can launch everywhere, but here the regulation is much more different. You do the know your customer for loans in each country is different. We could be in every country with some of the functionalities, with some of the alerts and recommendations, with the organization, and that's not a main issue, but to really bring value to the users, to really give them something that it will help them really good, I think you need to be like there and fine-tune everything really good. So first, let's focus on these countries, make them really big, make them help the people as they really do deserve, and then we will open other countries. Now, Lupina, we're going through, of course, uh, a major crisis, not just in one country, but globally. Can you tell us how has this affected not just Fintonic, but your clients? Well, this is a health crisis is huge. I really believe it's not gonna be structural, it's not gonna be as long as the previous that we have, but it's gonna be, it's had had already a huge impact and it, I really believe our users will have a bigger impact after September also, because right now you cannot see the whole impact. We've seen it and we do a lot of studios about what's going on with economy and we assess also different institutions here in Spain to, to help them because we see everything in real time. And now it's much more positive because, as you know, in Spain, we are opening everything. In Mexico, it's going to take a little bit more. And also in Chile, that they are really, really sat down. But I am positive about this crisis. The, in Europe, the banks, have, the European bank has reacted really fast, all the European banks and is the European Central Bank. So they have huge and great measures. Well, it's going to be a crisis, of course, but not this December, but remember, and we will talk next December, uh, 2021, and we will see that it's going to be a much, much, much better. So it's going to be a short crisis, I really believe. And in terms of Pintoni, we born in the midst of, of the, econ the biggest economic crisis and grew so much because we were helping people now of course we can do the same not only as advisors but with all our financial products so i am positive i am i am positive about this crisis and hopefully all the measures that they've been in place are gonna work because i think they they will no and in all the countries we've seen we've seen this yeah and, and having access to consumer data you definitely saw a decrease of spend. Have you seen this uh, spending levels start to come back? Yes, yes, yes. In Spain, of course, uh, the 
next uh, week we are going to launch a huge study about this. But of course, it's like a V, and in some sectors, it's really, really sharp the V because they start consuming a lot again. So in others like hotels or whatever, it's going to take a little bit more. But Hopefully, we will see this change in the middle of July and, and August also. So, of course, it was a huge shutdown for everyone. We've seen also that 54% of the population in Spain uh, have saved like more than the double than what they did on the previous months, uh, uh, taking account year over year. Okay, so. This is huge. This is big. We've never seen this kind of saving, of course, because they weren't spending. But there's many people that still have a work. So they have saved a lot and they will and they're willing to spend. Also, in, in the country, we have seen that the salary has been reduced for the 43% of the population. And one fourth of them has had really huge decreases on their salaries. And we don't know where that's going to end. It's going to be temporary or how many of them are going to lose their job forever. We will be seeing this, um, I really believe, after summer. And an increased spending rate seems to be a global trend. And it's, it's very interesting. Do you expect that this traumatic experience will actually lead to a permanent change in terms of savings behavior? Do you think companies and, and even entrepreneurs will decide now to actually keep uh, higher savings rates? For the entrepreneurs, I really believe they have to think about, but not because of this, because of, yes, because it's very important to bear in mind all economics from the very, very beginning. We've seen uh, different cases and many investors right now are not willing to invest in companies that do not bear in mind or are just thinking about only users, but not bear in mind about a business model with a strong economics. But that was my thought before this crisis also. For us, to have your revenue, to have to be in the given, to have your strong business model is very, very important. And in terms of, of the population, well, we have the previous crisis. It was, in terms of economic, it was, I believe it's gone, it was, or this one, we were not prepared at all. We did not have these measures that the central banks are deploying now, launching now. And the population, we, we tend to forget everything and we tend not to think about the future. No? The young people is not thinking about their pension in the future because I don't know why this is inside of our inside where, where when you think about saving, this is about more about psychology and more about behavioral economics that when you're thinking about saving, it remembers you about like things like about dying or things like that and the people believe they're saving for the long term that someone else is gonna take that money or they're gonna lose it or they're never gonna use it is a bit of crazy but I really believe that we have the opportunity and a great opportunity with user experience with a bit of psychology finding these nuts that help the people to understand why it's important to save just for your future, just for, because you're going to live more than what hopefully out of this crisis we will find a way to make people 
understand this because after the big huge crisis i haven't seen that in the countries we are um people still living you know with drafts or using lots of cards and i really believe it's good to get along and i really believe it's good to have a mortgage but always if you can repay and always if you can save money of course for, for the future for if you lose your work or it's it's a belief it's good for everyone it's hard for people to adjust their behaviors i think so i think it's hard but well we will and also we have to be optimistic i when i tell the people that you have to adjust your behavior i tell them you don't have to start not going to your pub or drink your beer because you love that now you you have to keep on doing that and you have to keep on spending it's good spending no but you have to start with things for example, with electricity or with uh, insurance or with things that you are not willing to pay more than your neighbor for the same thing. No, if you have the great coverage and you have a great insurance, why you are going to, have to pay more or the double than your neighbor? It's, it's stupid. No, with these things, the people can really, with Tony, they like they save thousands of euros and not doing anything that damages their day on uh, daily basis. I, I believe so. You can start with this and then we'll understand how you consume, where your money goes, what you have done, and then it's going to be much more easy. And then you will save and you will spend it on whatever you want, a trip or sending your kids to the university or that's for your, for your future, for your pension, whatever. Fantastic. So, Lupina, you have had a front row seat to entrepreneurship for a number of years now. Uh, we do have quite a few listeners who are either founders or aspiring founders. I'm sure they would love to hear some of your reflections and lessons as an entrepreneur. I really believe that you have, the idea is not important. It's not at all. It's the way you implement it. I'm sure there are many Einsteins around the world that will have your idea or better ideas than yours. So that my concern here is that if you have something and an idea just the way you implement the team that you have is, is very very important also it's for me it's very important to have a lot of resilience not to throw the towel very fast you need to keep on working hard work and be patient of course if not this also you need to have a lot of passion and to believe in what you are doing and things will come. And also you have to have a, the right market time. If it's not the proper time, it's going to be impossible because maybe you have a great idea, but it's, it's not the moment. And also a bit of luck. Always luck, it always helps. No? But this is important. No? And also you have this, the last recommendation, but you need to, I launched many, many companies and you need to figure out if you have uh, the market fit before you produce or you develop any technology because if it doesn't have if you are not talking to the user if you're not solving a pain or problem what are you doing so as always the user is the most important or the client or your idea which pain you are helping to solve is, is the much much more important thing that, that you have to think about and please don't think about the money I know the money is important, but 
if you're doing something just for the money because you want to be like great or whatever, well, in my experience or what I've seen around, this is not the people who has the best way to tackle the user problems at the end. And if you don't make something good for someone, your product is not going to help anyone. I don't know. You need to have passion for what you do. You need to, or that's my belief. Maybe other people is not that. I think if you do that, you won't be tired or bored after some years of trying to figure out what's what's the product or if you can keep on going. Many people don't have the proper goals and that's very bad for, for the business at the end. And good luck, no? because everyone say, no, no, good luck, call me when I was working. That, that's stupid. No, Many people has worked tons and tons of hours and, and didn't launch a proper idea. So there are many factors around succeeding with a startup. And please, you have to have these really clear business plans. And there is one moment that sometimes uh, you need to, to understand that maybe you're not going to make it. That has happened with me in the past with some of the startups I, I launched. And well, most of them are really, they have succeeded a lot, but some not. And you have to understand when you have to leave, because if not, you're going to lose many years of your life doing things that maybe they are not going anywhere. <laughs> but I want to be positive <laughs> thinking about it when you want to be an entrepreneur because it's it's a lot of time and you have to have the passion and believe on what you're doing of course definitely sounds like you have found the balance of all those elements at Fintonic how many clients do you have active that you can see every day and on a daily basis more than 950,000 users bear in mind that we have just in Mexico right now. So this is most of them all from Spain, of course. Fantastic. Now, before we go, Lupina, we have one final question and it's about your personal hobbies. Uh, we're curious to hear uh, how you spend some of your time outside of work. I have three kids. Fintonic is my fourth kid. So my hobbies, well, being with my family, go to the countryside, walk a lot with the dog, with the, with the kids. Uh, I love that, being with, with my family, because when you're an entrepreneur, you know you don't have much time, so you need to have a balance. Um, in my case, uh, for example, I think my friends maybe suffer a little bit more because I I am more with my family or, or my kids or my work, always in my work. No? Also, hobbies. I love, I am really, really active. <laughs> so I love to do whatever it is, just playing tennis or swimming or doing surf or whatever I can, whatever I am, I, I will do it. Or run, running also, <laughs> I do. In this, I need to do sports or to do exercise a lot to be more fresh. So sometimes I wake up really early in the morning and everything is well, it's very dark and everyone is sleeping and I have my hour for myself. And also I love reading. I really, really love reading. And if I have to recommend you a book for me, it's going to be Nat from Richard Taleb because he's the father of behavioral economics. And always, if you're going to launch something, you need to think about the psychology, the nudges, and uh, this is a very good start book to read. Fantastic. 
Well, Lupina, we are definitely very grateful that you joined us. Uh, it's impressive what you have built and are building, and we can't wait to see all your future success. So thank you again for joining us, and you're always in invited to, uh, to join us on campus as well. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure, and I wish you good luck, everyone. Um, let's finish this COVID as soon as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. And let's meet in person as soon as possible. Absolutely. Thank you, Lupia. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton Fintech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa.